Good morning. Um, just have about. Hey, good to see y'all. Um, just have about twelve announcements, so it won't be too long. Um, first, if there's any visitor here, visitors here this morning, I'm glad you're here. Glad to see y'all. Um, if you'd like to, you can fill out a connect card right there in the in your pew in the uh, right in front of you. A um, couple announcements. Today at 2 p.m., um, there's a church council meeting. will be here at the church. Um, and then Tuesday, this Tuesday at 5.30 p.m., not morning, there's a business team meeting. Um, so be praying for that as well. Um, and then this Wednesday, what you've all been waiting for is the Thanksgiving potluck supper at 6 o'clock. Um, so if you have any treats or any, any dishes you'd like to bring, um, be there at 6 sharp, because we're not going to wait on you. And uh, we'll also be celebrating November birthdays and anniversaries as well. Um, so bring a empty stomach for that. Um, and let's see, also for, have a thing here, um, for Mimi's house orphanage. Um, that Carvin Adams is involved in. Um, it says, between today and December 1st, our church is taking an offering for the children in Mimi's House Orphanage in Guatemala. Please make your donations to Cypress Street Church for Mimi's House or Orphans Project or Special Offering. Carvin Adams' nonprofit Partners in Missions will send these donations to the director of Mimi's House who will purchase Christmas gifts for the 22 orphan children. If enough money is donated, we would also like to give a gift to the director and eight nannies who live at the orphanage. You will find more detailed info on the back of your bulletin. And uh, also, two more announcements and then we can start. Um, the uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes, they were due in. And uh, if you still have some or you still, there's still, we still have time to turn them in. But as of right now, um, the goal was 120 boxes. And as of right now, I think we're sitting at 141 boxes. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, that, that's a, a great thing that happens every year. It's, it blesses so many, so many children all over the world as well as their families too. We don't think about how it impacts their families down the line, but... It's more than just the children that are impacted by these, by these gifts. Um, also, this, this past Thursday was Veterans Day. Um, and I don't know if y'all did this last week because I wasn't here, but um, if all the veterans, if you're able to, if you could please stand, and we'd just like to thank you for, uh, for your service. Jerry, too. <laughs> well, thank y'all very much, because uh, we probably wouldn't be able to worship like we're worshiping now in, in public if it wasn't for your long service and your, uh, your just service to this country. Exactly right. Um, so anyways, that being said, let's pray and we'll get started with worship. Dear Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day, and uh, thank you for everyone here today, Lord. I just ask you to bless them and give them peace, give them hope today and every day, Lord, to let you know, let them know that you are with them. Uh, we thank you, and we just ask you to bless this worship today. Love you, Lord. Amen. Won't you stand with us as we sing, Worthy as a Lamb. Before we do, I'd like to read a scripture found in Revelations 5, 11 through 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength, honor and glory and praise. Thank you. 
Bring light to the darkness you give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise.
introduce um, the man who needs no introduction um, we'll just uh, announce some some prayer requests and some new requests that are here um, see the ones on the on the list now just to name a few Alton Cooper uh, Vicki Allman um, that's uh, Meredith I believe that's her mom I believe that's right um, and then Ken McConnell, I talked to him the other day. He's doing well. Uh, very light chemo, if any, at this point. So he's just on the on the road to recovery. So he's he's feeling a lot better. Um, he's gaining more strength. He's kind of thickening up a little bit. For a little while, he was he wasn't able to eat too much because uh, just the chemo was taking it all out of him. So I believe he's doing quite a bit better. Um, Jerry Crane. Um, the council meeting, business team meetings, um, our churches, we're still looking for a pastor, and just our country in general. Um, you know, everything surrounding that, just pray for uh, pray for that. And then um, Larry Worsham's friend, he recently passed away. His name was Ralph Taylor. Um, the little I do know about him, the five seconds that Larry told me about him, he was a great man. And uh, actually, one of the TVs in the back for the children's room, he donated that. Um, so just a, just the little that we knew about him, he was he was able to do that for us. Um, if there's any other prayer requests, you can always just call the church office uh, or text the prayer group. Uh, Miss Karen Oldham, her number's there on the bulletin. Uh, other than that. I think we're good. Um, we'll pray for Scott and for everyone else here today. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for, for your great love and mercy that you have on us every day. Um, all the people on this list, Lord, you, they, they need your healing or their family needs your healing, Lord, because they're doing great. A lot of them are. 
Um, just ask you to offer peace and hope for, for these here. And I thank you for um, our veterans again that, that paid the price and sacrifice to, to be able to worship you without living in fear. Because um, across the world it's not, not quite the same. We love you, Lord, and uh, we just ask you to bless Scott and what he brings for us today. Amen. Thank you, Reuben. Hey, uh, there was a, I appreciate the prayer. There was an update slipped to me by a note about that, so I thought we might uh, have another special prayer for this situation. So um, uh, Reuben mentioned Vicki Allman, that's uh, Meredith Vickery's mother. And um, I believe there's some others in the family also who have been affected by COVID, but she has taken a turn for the worse this morning, I believe, and they're electing to put her on the vent. And so Donna just left to uh, go take, pick up the kids and help take care of them while things are being uh, taken care of. So let's be in special prayer for that family. And um, I'm gonna put someone on the spot, and that's Dale. Dale, I know that uh, you were um, you're affected by this disease recently and God helped see you through it and I wonder if you would uh, lead us in prayer this morning and a special prayer for Miss Allman. Thank you, Dale. Thank you all for um, agreeing together in prayer this morning for her. Um, it's good to be here with you again this morning. A beautiful morning, isn't it? Just uh, driving over down the interstate, you know, the sun shining on the leaves changing in the, on the, the trees along the side of the road and all that is really pretty driving. Uh, we're, we're blessed uh, this morning with, with a great day. And it's the Lord's Day. I'm glad you've made a decision to be here and uh, be here with us this morning. It makes it a whole lot better when we can gather together. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're here today. We're uh, continuing today in the I Am series that we started uh, several weeks ago or a few weeks ago. Uh, studying the seven I Am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. So far we've looked at the first four. I am the bread of life. From chapter 6, and I am the light of the world, from chapters 8 and 9. I am the door, and I am the good shepherd, where uh, last time, from chapter 10. And uh, I was planning on doing a little summary right here of just kind of catching you up. Maybe some of you have missed some of them or whatever, and uh, bring you up to speed on this before we go on to the rest. But I think we're just going to jump right into it. If we have time at the end, we'll do a little summary. How's that sound? So we're going to get in today to uh, the fifth and sixth I Am statements of Jesus uh, from the Gospel of John. And those are, those are going to be in chapters 11 and chapter 14. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way and the truth and the life. Now that makes for a really long sermon title. You probably never had a sermon title that long with so many ands in it. Huh? So sorry, Miss Priscilla that you had to write all that out. <laughs> but these statements of Jesus, now I'm excited this morning to be sharing with you about the life, the life that we have in Jesus. He is the life. So let's go to our first scripture passage in John chapter 11, verse 25. John eleven twenty-five. 25. I have bookmarks for a reason, and it didn't help me this time. <laughs> All right, John eleven twenty five. 25. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And let's read verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. What a powerful statement. You might expect this to have been said right after Jesus rose from the dead. But this statement was made before he was even arrested and crucified. So aren't you interested this morning to know the context of this statement? I am the resurrection and the life. I hope you don't mind if we read together from the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 11, starting in verse 1. So this might be why I was wanting to skip all the summaries. We're going to do a little bit more reading this morning than we have been doing. So chapter 11 of John, starting in verse 1. Here's the context of that statement. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus. Oh, here we go. Lazarus. This is the account of Lazarus. It's going to be good. Hang on. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he went so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed 2 days longer in the place where he was. Now hold on just a second. Am I the only one that thinks that should say but instead of so <laughs> at the beginning of verse 6? It seems like it should say so he loved them, he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer. Kind of explaining that he didn't really leave, even though he loved them, he didn't leave right away. But that's not what it says. It says he loved them so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer. What? <laughs> so he stayed two days longer. He did not go to them right away. Why? Verse six, verse 4 gives us a clue, I think. Verse 4, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God. But for the glory of God. Jesus knew what was about to happen. You agree? And He knew that His delay would make for the perfect timing for God to get the glory in this matter. You get that? God's timing can be a mysterious thing, can it? You've probably um, scratched your head a few times about it or wondered about it. I wonder how many times we're trying to pray ourselves out of a miracle that God is wanting to do in our lives, not understanding how God is wanting to implement His perfect timing into the situation in a way that doesn't make sense to us in order that He can receive the glory in a more awesome way than we could have ever thought about. There was a specific purpose in Jesus' delay in going to Lazarus. In my life and in yours, God's timing, especially His delays, may make us think that He's not answering or He's not answering the way that we want. But what if it's just the wait for it, wait for it, you know those moments? And something big's about to happen. And this is just that, his, his delay is just that wait for it moment that he's wanting us to just hang on and see what's about to happen. That real miracle is on the brink. 
But we're trying to pray ourselves out of it. We're saying, God, get me out of this. Get me out of this. What if my prayers focused more on God getting the glory out of my life than on God getting me out of the mess that I'm in or the situation that I'm in or the, the suffering that I find myself in? The question I have to ask myself is if I'm willing to suffer longer or endure some hardship longer if it means God will get the glory out of it. It's something to think about, isn't it? We can trust that God will meet our, all, our, all our needs according to His perfect schedule and purpose. Our part, what's our part? Our part is to patiently wait on His timing. Easier said than done, right? It is. It's easier said than done. God, help us to trust Him. Okay, so that was a little mini-sermon inside a sermon. That wasn't the... <laughs> but I just had to stop right there because it was good. God helped me in that. He spoke to me in that. Let's get back to the text. In verse 7, we see that after the two-day delay, Jesus tells His disciples they're, they're now going to Judea where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are. Of course, the disciples voice their concern because they know that there are people there who want to kill him. So they're not all that excited about going there, but they go anyway. So I'm going to pick up reading at the end of verse 11. Uh, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, he, had to, he has to do that sometimes, doesn't he? <laughs> so then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. I want to stop there again too. There's another so. I'm glad for your sakes, and he's talking to his disciples, that I wasn't there, where's he talking about there, with Lazarus, that I wasn't there a few days ago. I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, so that you may believe. What did he want them to believe? He was intentional about all this, wasn't it? There was something that he wanted to happen out of this. It wasn't just Lazarus being raised from the dead. Oh, I just spoiled it. But did y'all know that he was going to be raised from the dead? Okay. <laughs> all right, you probably already knew the story. All right, sorry if you didn't know the rest of the story. But it wasn't just that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he wanted his disciples to learn some, something about what, who Jesus was. He wanted them to uh, gain some faith in all this. He said, it was for your sake. I'm glad for your sake so that you may believe. So that you may believe. It was good that Jesus went when he did in order for the resurrection miracle to take place. It was important for the faith of the disciples and the others there to be able to witness Jesus' power over death. And that's what Jesus was wanting to make known here. And I like what my notes in my study Bible say about this verse. It says, The raising of Lazarus was an essential display of Jesus' power. And the resurrection from the dead is a crucial belief of Christian faith. Right? Jesus not only raised himself from the dead, but he has the power to raise others. And this was an important event that took place that Jesus wanted people to see, wanted to put on display his power and uh, give faith to those who were witnesses of it. Let's continue reading. Uh, the end of verse 15, Jesus says, uh, Let us go to him. Verse 16. 
Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. That's another sermon. We'll get to that one some other time. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here. Now, I can't say it with the passion that I'm sure she said it. Can you imagine what that encounter might have been like? Martha, they had sent word. Jesus didn't show up. Martha finds out Jesus is coming now. She goes out to meet him. And she says this to him. And you can fill in the unsaid compassion or passion that was in her voice, I'm sure. It said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She's still got hope here, doesn't she? <laughs> she said, okay, I, I know. You can do it. If anybody can do it, you can do it. You can ask of God and you can do it. Verse 23 Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You see the context here? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Lazarus had died, hadn't he? Lazarus had died. And Jesus is saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. I think he expects that same statement from us. That we say, yes, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. You are the Christ. Verse 28, when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, same thing Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? We'll stop there for a minute. Y'all okay with me reading? Okay, this is, this is good stuff. So I know I'm reading more than normal, but this is uh, really good, and I hope that God helps us in this. Um, I hope I'm the only one that as a kid in Sunday school, and I was asked to memorize a verse that you picked, John 1135. <laughs> <laughs> because the shortest verse in the Bible. Man, what does that say about my work ethic? I don't know. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I had that one down, right? Jesus wept. But in this we see Jesus' compassion for those that were there. It said, when he saw her weeping and the, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Jesus is not just some God with no compassion that doesn't get involved in the lives of people. He is moved by compassion when people are hurting, when 
they are going through hardship or hard times when they're suffering. And he is moved along with them and says even here, he wept. He wept. We have someone that we can go to and we don't have to worry about trying to hide our feelings or, or worry if he's going to think our feelings are insignificant or whatever. Don't be afraid to cry to Jesus, to bring your feelings and your emotions to Jesus. He knows where you're at and he can sympathize with you and console you and be there for you. Um, that's just a little picture there of who Jesus is. And some of the Jews said in verse 36, see how he loved him. They could see the compassion in him, that he, he truly loved this family. And then the next verse says, and some of them said, but could not he, he's the one who opened the eyes of the blind man. Remember we read that passage a couple chapters back. He could have kept this man from dying. Now, I was thinking about that, and I looked back at that passage that we read a few weeks ago about the blind man. Remember Jesus, he healed the man that was born blind. And we were talking about that's when he said, I am the light of the world. He brings sight to those in darkness. Now, I looked back at that in chapter 9 of John, and they were asking, why is this man blind in the first place? Who sinned that he's blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was, and the it is the fact that he's born blind. It was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. There was a purpose in that too, wasn't it? The purpose that he was born blind, Jesus says, is so that the works of God could be displayed in him. So what? So that miracle could happen. And that could take place at that moment. That miracle, that was that that wait for it thing I was talking about earlier. I'm sure he asked himself a bunch of times in his life, why me? Why am I blind? Why can everybody else around me see but, and live a regular life, but I was born blind? Why? Jesus answered it here, so that the works of God could be displayed in him. God got the glory out of that. Just like with Lazarus, with this miracle with Lazarus, God got the glory out of this resurrection of this dead person, Lazarus. Jesus was intentional about it. There was a purpose, even when we can't see it, even when we wonder why, there is a purpose in it. And God can get the glory even out of our hard times, out of our suffering. All right, ready to keep moving. It's building here. Verse 38, So Jesus again being deeply moved within came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha and the sister of the deceased said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? Here it is again. It's for the glory of God. You will see the glory of God. Verse 41, so they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. He's placing himself there in connection with God, God the Father. When he has said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I'm sure he said it louder than that. <laughs> the man who had died came forth. Simple as that. <laughs> the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Can you imagine it? Can you picture being there? His face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Wow, isn't this great? The account of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And in this perfect context for Jesus' Jesus's I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Once again, Jesus not only says who he is, but he backs it up with something. 
We saw it in the same way in the I am the bread of life when he fed the 5,000 miraculously. I am the light of the world when he healed the man that was born blind and others. I said I wasn't going to summarize, so. <laughs> I'm glad that it was God's will that this be recorded in his word to us, aren't you? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He has the power over death and the grave. He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. This is great news, isn't it? This is great news. Because guess what? Guess who's included in that part about even if he dies? That would be me. And that would be you. And that would be everybody else. We're all included in those who will die. So did you catch the good news in Jesus' statement? Even if you die, remember that's us. <laughs> Even if you die, you who believe in me will live. And he shows off and proves it right there with Lazarus. So we believe death is coming. The question then is, do we believe in Jesus? He says, those who believe in me, even though he dies, will live. This is the important question because he says that he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So, the question is, do we believe this? Do you believe this? It's not just a question Jesus was asking Martha that day just before her brother was miraculously raised from the dead. It's a question for us today as well. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is who He said He is and who He proved Himself to be in this miracle? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He who is life, he said, I am the life. He who is life can surely restore life. Whoever believes in Christ has a, a spiritual life that death cannot conquer. That's good news. That's good news. Do you believe it? The resurrection is the resurrection of Christ is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, giving hope that all believers who have died will one day be resurrected as well. First Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. Paul also talks a lot about the life of believers, the life that believers have because of the resurrection of Christ. Believers share in that resurrection power. Philippians 3, he writes, verse 10 and 11, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Being conformed to His death. When we are united with Christ by trusting in Him, we experience the power that raised Him from the dead. But to share in resurrection also means sharing in the cross and the death that must naturally come before a resurrection can take place. Some of you might uh, know the song uh, by Phillips, Craig, and Dean, Crucified with Christ. I'm going to uh, take a minute to read some of the lyrics from that. A really powerful course, they're taken from another writing of Paul from Galatians chapter 2. But the song goes, As I look back on what I thought was living, 
I'm amazed at the price I chose to pay. And to think I ignored what really mattered because I thought the sacrifice would be too great. But when I finally reached the point of giving in, I found the cross was calling even then. And even though it took dying to survive, I've never felt so much alive. For I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I, but Christ that lives within me. His cross will never ask for more than I can give, for it's not my strength, but His. There's no greater sacrifice, for I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Maybe you can hear the song in your head now. The next verse I didn't want to skip says, As I hear the Savior call for daily dying, I will bow beneath the weight of Calvary. Let my hands surrender to His piercing purpose that holds me to the cross but sets me free. I will glory in the power of the cross. The things I thought were gain I count as loss. And with His suffering I identify. And by His resurrection power I am alive. I like that. By His resurrection power I am alive. Death has to take place for new life to come. Does that make sense? We must die to sin. We must die to ourself. We can't know the victory of the resurrection without a death that precedes it. Am I willing to die to my self-interest and follow the way of Christ which leads to life? That's a question I have to ask myself. Am I willing to die to my self-interest in order to follow the way of Christ, which I know, as I read from Scripture, leads to life, a resurrected life? Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. So you've got to hold on here and pay attention. Because this might seem to get a little confusing here. Let me repeat that. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, loses his life for my sake, will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So this speaks to our willingness and the necessity of our dying to self in our commitment to living for Christ. Releasing the control that we desire to have. How many are those backseat drivers? You know, you just can't stand to not have the control of the wheel, right? <laughs> that this, this speaks to a similarity of that of us releasing the control that we desire to have in our own life to direct our own lives in exchange for submitting to God. As much as it may seem that I am losing my life by doing this, I'm really gaining life, Jesus tells His disciples. Jesus is life, He says. He is my life. I must die to myself to experience the resurrection life that I have in Christ. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Apart from Jesus, there is no resurrection and there is no life. Jesus also said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And it was at this point in the sermon that I was going to move to that passage. But look what time it is. Man, I talked a lot longer than I thought I would. So, here's what we'll do. When I thought I was going to get two statements in on this one sermon, let's make it into two. How's that sound? All right? So, I don't want to rush through this next one in five minutes. And uh, to be fair to your, your time, uh, let's, uh, let's find a good stopping point right here. Y'all good with that?
Okay, and then next week we'll, we'll pick up right there again. And we're going to be reading in John chapter 14 uh, next week. So that gives you a little hint if you want to read that this week and get a little ahead. Uh, we'll, we'll go to that together. I will give you a little uh, insight into it. It's, I am the way and the truth and the life. A lot of ands in there. And the first one we just read was what? I am what? Resurrection and what? And the life. So what do we see in common there between those two statements? The life, right? I think that's something that really kind of summarizes well who Jesus is. The life. So we're going to get into that some more next week and tie those two together. I'm going to ask the musicians to come forward at this time. And we will end our time together in this room, but not in church. Church doesn't end when we finish singing at the end of this service, does it? We are the church, remember? We are the church, and church will continue as long as we're continuing on. So let me pray while they're coming forward. God, we're so thankful for Jesus. I we're thankful for your word that we can read and see these statements that Jesus made and given, given us a picture through metaphors of who he is. And he is the resurrection and the life. Even though we die, those who believe in him will not die. They will live. And it's because of the resurrection power that he has and that he gifts to us, to those who believe in him. God, I pray if there be anyone here today who have not experienced that resurrection power, who have not submitted their lives to you, have not received the gift of life that you offer, God, that this will be their day. God, that your spirit will work in their life and just uh, speak in their spirit. Let them know what's at stake. God, we're thankful for the life you give us. God, I pray that everyone here will just take the opportunity to receive that gift. God, if there's anyone listening online or whatever now or later, God, that your spirit will speak to them and let them check their own heart, check their own life. Say, have I really ever submitted to God and received the free gift of life that he has for me? Oh, he wants you to have it. He wants you to have it so bad that he sent his son to die so that you could have it. God, I pray that you make that happen. Thankful that you've done everything already that's necessary for us to receive life. And that it's our part to receive it. Receive the gift. I'm thankful for, um, for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand with us as we sing, Open My Eyes, Lord. our uh, service for today um, just uh, before we go we'll uh, close in prayer and there's also circles afterwards if you want to attend
Dear Lord, I thank you for this worship service we had today and the freedom to be able to, to do it. Um, thank you, Lord, for, for this church, and I just ask you to, to be with us throughout this week. Um, help us to uh, be the church after 12 o'clock today, too, as, as we go out to our daily lives this week. Um, I ask that we give the glory to you and honor and praise and worship, um, not just today, but every day. We thank you for your love and your grace and your, your healing power that you can have on so many people. We love you, Lord, and thank you for today. Amen.